Welcome everybody to Christmas at Cedar Creek Church. Yeah, so glad you're here this morning. Appreciate that. Uh, just great to see all of you. You know, uh, Christmas is a season that is filled with emotion, right? We feel intensely emotions this time of year. Uh, many good feelings, sometimes maybe not so good feelings, but the number one feeling associated with Christmas is joy. Christmas is a season of joy. We hear it in our Christmas songs. We read it on our Christmas cards. But you need to understand that's not something we created. The joy of Christmas is not a man-made creation. It has always been God's design that our celebration of Jesus' birth be filled with joy. In fact, notice what the angel says to the shepherds that very first Christmas some 2,000 plus years ago. Luke 2, chapter 10. The angel says, do not be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news that will cause what? What does it say? Great joy. Joy for who? All of us. The birth of Jesus has always meant to bring joy for all of us. So my question is, what happened? Right? Where's the problem? Because if we're honest, most of us would admit that we struggle to truly feel joyful this time of year. Yeah, I know we may have some moments that we feel it, maybe even some days that we feel joyful. There may be even be some years that we have a joyful Christmas. But those feelings are almost always associated with our circumstances, depending on how things are going in our life. But as we discovered last week, joy is not based on our circumstances. Happiness? Yeah. Happiness depends on what is happening to us. But joy is a much deeper emotion. Joy is a much more stable emotion. Joy is this deep, settled confidence that comes from knowing that God is in control of the details of my life and that he loves me and has a plan and a purpose for my life. And the birth of Jesus is all about experiencing that joy. So this year at Cedar Creek, we are attempting to unbox the joy of Christmas. What does that mean? It means we're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to go below the surface. We're going to think outside the box about what Jesus' birth really means. Because we're not just celebrating some magic baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. We're celebrating that the God of the universe wrapped himself in human flesh stepped out of the beauty and perfection of heaven and entered the messy brokenness of our world and the brokenness of our individual lives to show us that he loved us, but also so that we could connect with him, so that we could know what God is like, so that we wouldn't have to wonder, we wouldn't have to think of God as some distant cosmic force in the universe out there, the birth of Jesus means we can connect relationally with God. And that is something worth celebrating. And we're celebrating the different things that that means. And so today, we're going to unbox an aspect of Jesus' birth that you've probably never 
thought of. You know, last week, we unboxed the joy of Christmas in discovering that you're invited. You are invited to God's family. That's what Christmas means. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, Christmas means you're invited to God's family. This week, we're going to unbox the joy of connecting. That Christmas means we not only get to connect with God, but it means that we get to connect with each other. We get to experience the joy of authentic community with other believers. We get to experience the joy of the fact that we are better together. You're invited to God's family, but you get to connect with God's family. You get the joy of doing life with others. And that's the aspect of Jesus' birth I want us to focus on. In fact, look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so people can what? What does that say? Improve each other. That we help each other, that we are better together. It's interesting to me that one of the things we're supposed to be celebrating at Christmas is the joy of being together with family and friends, when in reality, for many of us, that actually sucks the joy right out of Christmas, right? You know, having those people around you. And so if we're really going to experience the joy of our connections, it probably means we're going to have to make some changes in the way we connect with each other. And that's what I want to talk about today. Three practical ways to enjoy the people in your life, to experience something better with the people you are together with. And I'm just telling you, going into the Christmas season, if there was ever a Sunday for you to take notes, it's probably today. In fact, not only take notes, but take them with you when you go visit family. Take these notes with you when they come visit you. Three things to experience the joy of our connections. Number one, you ready? Be truly interested in them. To enjoy the people in your life, you got to truly be interested in the people in your life. You'll never truly enjoy your connections unless you get to know the people you are connected with. I mean, really get to know them. Because that's the joy of relationships. The joy of relationships is knowing, really knowing another person and being known by another person. And see, most of us like the being known. We just don't like the getting to know. What do I mean by that? Well, we all want the people around us to know us, to know what we're feeling, to know what we're thinking, to care about what we're going through. We all want that. We're just not interested in returning the favor to them. But look at what the Bible says, Philippians 4.2. It says, do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Think about that. The, the greatest gift you can give another person is your undivided attention. Your interest. It says that you care. It says that you value them. But the flip side of that is true. 
The most destructive thing in your relationships is not conflict, it's not the fights, it's not the arguments, it's the lack of interest, that you just don't care enough to care. That's why so many marriages go from romance to routine to roommates. Why? Because we lose interest in each other. Be interested in the people. That's where the joy of those connections are. See, most of us think the relationship problems that we have are driven by the people we are in relationship with. We think if I could get better friends, if I had a better family, then I would enjoy my relationships. That's what we think. Look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 18.1. People who do not get along with others are interested only in themselves. Soak in that a minute. Think about that a minute. What is that saying? It's saying that the problem with our relationships is not the people we're in relationship with. It's our selfishness. So does that mean that all the people around me are right and I'm wrong? That I'm the one with the issues? That I'm the problem? No. What that means is the only thing that you can change in your relationships is you. You can't change how people behave. You can't change what they do and say. But you can control how you respond to it. You can control how you react to it. You can control the amount of influence and impact you allow other people to have in your life. You can set the boundaries in your relationship. You know, we have a saying here at Cedar Creek Church. Hurt people hurt people. Why do we say that? To remind us that the behaviors of the people around us are often driven by the deep pain within them. They do the things they do. They act the way they act because of some unmet need or some deep scar in their heart. We have to look past that to be interested enough to push past those outward behaviors to get to the heart of who they are. Just like last week, you remember we saw, that's how Jesus responded to the town prostitute who came rushing into the Pharisees' party. He saw pastor behaviors to the hurt that drove those behaviors. That's what we have to do to have better relationships and get more joy out of the relationships of the people around us. So how do you do that? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, said it's pretty simple. Look at what he said. James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The problem is we get those flipped. We're quick to speak and slow to listen. We don't even let people finish talking before we talk all over them. Listen, being interested, really connecting, truly getting to know someone starts with listening. You want to really know what's going on with the people around you? Take the time to listen non-judgmentally to them. What does it mean to listen non-judgmentally? It means stop trying to fix the problems they're telling you about. Just listen, understand, walk a mile in their moccasins. Try to understand instead of always trying to be understood. It's amazing. If you really will listen to people and you will demonstrate that you care about what they have to say, 
People will open up and share with you almost anything, even their deepest, darkest secrets. Why? Because there's so few places and people on the whole planet that are willing to listen, especially people who have issues and struggles. It starts with listening. But then James says, you also got to be slow to speak. What does it mean to be slow to speak? It means God has given you a filter for your mouth. It's called the Holy Spirit. Engage it. Shut up and engage the filter. Just because you think something doesn't mean it's a good idea to say it. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it's always smart to share it. Be slow to speak. And I'm telling you, if you do these first two, the third one becomes automatic. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you'll feel less angry in your relationships with the people around you. And the less angry you become, the easier it becomes for you to enjoy the people around you. It starts by being interested in them and stop centering your world all on you and what you want and what you think. Be interested. That's how you enjoy the people around you. Number two, the second thing you got to do, you got to have realistic expectations. Have realistic expectations. One of the reasons we struggle to find joy in our relationships is we often place expectations on people that they're probably not going to meet. Any of you fans of the vacation movie franchises, you know the vacation movie, anybody like me? I guess I just have a weird sense of humor, but I love those movies. There's, there's all kinds of them, the original vacation, then the Christmas vacation, then the European vacation. But all of those movies have the same storyline. Clark Griswold, the father of the family, gets all of these expectations built up in his mind. The perfect Christmas, the perfect family Christmas. He has all these expectations of how it should go and how the people should behave, and then it never works out. Things go bad, and then he ends up angry and frustrated and joyless. Why? Because his family's imperfect? No, every family's imperfect. Because of unrealistic expectations he's set. Listen, ladies, Let me just take some pressure off of you for the next three weeks. You are not Martha Stewart. You you are not going to prepare the perfect family meal. You're not going to have the perfect tree with the perfect decorations. Your tree may fall completely over and break some ornaments this year. That's life. Guys, let me take some pressure off you. Let me lower your expectations. Your house is not going to be quiet enough for you during the holidays to take near as many naps as you're hoping. You're not going to get to watch near as much football as you wanted. And your kids are not always going to be thankful and appreciative of the gifts you gave them. Doesn't make it right, it just makes it reality. Look, we don't don't only put expectations on the holidays. We often put expectations on the people in our lives, even when it's not the holidays. But, but look at what the Bible says, Romans 15, 7. It says, therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. What does that mean, accept each other? Does that mean ignore 
unhealthy, destructive behavior? Does that mean become an enabler? No, it just means recognize that the people around you are imperfect. They got flaws. They got issues. Now, I know what some of you are saying, Philip. I'm not expecting perfection from the people in my family. I'd just like them to be decent human beings. I'm just expecting that they not be a jerk this year. Well, let me tell you something. That may be an unrealistic expectation on some people in your life. Right. You got that family member that every year, no matter what, they always mess up the family gathering. They always bring in their garbage. They always create conflict. They make everybody miserable. If you are expecting this year to be different, the problem's you, not them. They're consistent. You're the one being unreal. What do you think? Something magic happened to them between last year and this year? They're going to change? No. Control your expectations. I'm not talking about saying it's okay for them to be that way. I'm just saying lower your expectations. You won't be nearly as ticked off this Christmas season. And look, here's the heart of this. These unrealistic expectations we put on the people around us, you know why we do that? Because we are seeking from others what only God can give us. It's our fears, our insecurities that make us these needy people who need people to do what we need them to do to have any peace and security. Look, they were never meant to be your peace and security. And if you keep seeking it from people who were never meant to give it to you, you're always going to be frustrated and angry and broken relationally. Only Jesus can give you peace and security. Stop trying to pull it out of the people around you. Look at what Jesus says, John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. There's no peace in this world, and that includes the people who share this world with you. The only true peace comes from Jesus, and Christmas means that peace is available. He is here and the more you connect with him the more time you spend these next three weeks focusing on him spending time in his word and in prayer seeking him with all your heart investing in a relationship with a person who's spiritually stronger than you a Paul to you as Timothy investing in a Timothy in your life, discipling, encouraging growth, the more you focus on Jesus and your relationship with him, the more joy you'll find in your connections with others. That's why the, Jesus, the birth of Jesus makes us better together. He provides for us what we need, and it takes the pressure off of our relationships of trying to get it from your spouse, your kids, your uncle, your co-workers have realistic expectations and your joy will increase this Christmas. And then number three, and this, this is huge, the third reason to enjoy others means you have to invest in shared experiences. Invest in shared experiences. The joy of connecting with others, what makes us better together, is not just how we treat each other, it's doing things with each other. 
shared experiences unbox the joy of our relationships. That's why you ask people about their greatest memories, maybe from their childhood. Almost all the time, they'll refer back to maybe vacations, family vacations. Why do people remember that? Because it's shared experience, good and bad. It's time together, and time together matters even when it's bad time. I mean, I think back to most of our family vacations. We've had some good ones, but we've had some doozies. We've had some things where everything fell apart, and yet those experiences, good and bad, when we share them, they're what bond us together. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Notice the emphasis is not on the quality of the experience. It's on being with people in the experience. You know, as a pastor, I've been with people in some of the most intense experiences of their lives. The highest highs and the lowest lows. From a, a wedding and the birth of a child to the death of a loved one or the death of a marriage. And in those moments, walking with people in those intense emotional moments, good and bad, have bound me together with those people. We have a shared experience and it makes us better together. That's why our home groups are set up the way they are. Because it's not just about getting eight or ten people together to study the Bible and pray. It is about doing life together. It is about, yes, supporting each other in the hard times and celebrating in the good times. Yes, is it about serving together to make a difference in our community. But it is also equally about enjoying life with others. When's the last time your home group did something together just for the fun of it? In fact, I think one of the most missed aspects of authentic Christian community within the church is taking the time to have fun with the people in our lives. As Christ followers, we tend to take ourselves way too seriously. We sometimes walk around like we've been baptized in vinegar and weaned on a dill pickle. You know, like a scowl is the mark of spiritual maturity. If I walk around looking serious all the time, I'm spiritually mature. Uh-uh. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, second after love, is joy. The mark of a believer is joy. You know, I try to use humor in my messages on Sunday morning. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But do you know over the years, a few times, I've been criticized for using humor in the pulpit? I've had people come out and say, there's nothing funny about teaching the Word of God. <laughs> Sharing the Gospels, no humor. Jesus never used humor. I'm like, are you kidding me? What Gospel are you reading? Jesus basically spent three and a half years camping out with 12 other men. You don't think funny stuff happened around the campfire? Right? <laughs> Like somebody cut one and blamed it on somebody else. That's the kind of stuff that happens. Guys, am I right? That's how it is. You don't think there was laughter? Sure. There. Jesus' teaching is full of humor, right? I mean, we don't get it because Jewish humor is in hyperbole. Jewish humor is about exaggeration. When Jesus said, don't try to get the speck of sawdust out of your neighbor's eye, when you have a board in your eye, that's a funny story. Imagine somebody with a big two-by-four sticking out of their eye trying to help their friend, and they're hitting them in the head. It's humor. 
As Christ followers, we should be full of joy, and we should share that joy together. Look, laughter is not only good medicine for the soul. Laughter is good medicine for your relationships. Don't believe me? Look at what Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, writes. Proverbs 15:30. Bright eyes gladden the heart. Good news puts fat on the bone. Some of you have been getting a lot of good news this year. That's humor that works. <laughs> bright eyes, that phrase, bright eyes, you know what it means? Joyful, laughter, happy. Here's the thing. You can't see your own eyes, but you see the eyes of the people around you. And when you have fun with others, it brings joy to your life. My, my point is this. Life is hard. And getting along with others is hard. Joy comes from hanging on to one another through the good and the bad. That's why I noticed this last verse on your outline, 1 John 4, 7. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Why? Because love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God. And knows God. You know, these things we've been talking about this morning, they're practical. They're useful. But understand, the key to enjoying others, the key to being better together is God. He is the glue that connects us. Look around. Different backgrounds, different ages, different races, different places in our spiritual journey back to God. But it is God who put us together in this church family. And he is the one that holds us together. And so ultimately, to find more joy in your relationships, lean more into God, into Jesus this Christmas, and experience the joy of being better together. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I thank you this morning for the laughter we've had. I thank you for the truths that we've unpacked. Lord, I know this is resonating with where I am. I know it resonates heading into the holiday season with the connections and the people I'm going to be spending time with this year. So God, help us put it into practice. Help us to not just be hearers of your word, but doers. But God, I also recognize this morning that that doesn't happen in our own strength. This isn't about our wisdom. This isn't about our practical one, two, three steps. This is ultimately about your spirit doing in and through us what we are not capable of doing in and of ourselves. And that is the heart of Christmas that you entered our lives, our worlds, our hearts to live through us so that we could find true purpose, true meaning, and we could experience joy in the pain and in the fun of life. That our joy doesn't change. It's not controlled by the people or the circumstances around us. So, Father, help us experience what it really means to do life in authentic community with other believers and to truly find the joy of being better together. In Jesus' name, amen.